Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Okay, everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome. Your saltwater guy, Captain Dave Hansen. Oh my gosh, was that incredible last night or what? That was the most insane live show we've ever done. Started out with that 125-pound thresher shark for Justin and his family. And then Anthony chartered Justin's boat and took Justin's family with him on the lobster trip. Didn't you guys watch that last night? That was incredible. They ended up with 33 lobsters up to nine and a half pounds. It was the most incredible show. We had well over 11,000 viewed minutes. It was insane. But before that, on the Thresher Shark live fishing, we had just over 10,000 live viewed minutes. It was an incredible day for your saltwater guide. So I just want to thank all of you. I can't even comprehend what's going on. This is like a a freight train speeding down the tracks, gang. I'm blown away. Today we went to 61,000 followers on YouTube. Right now it's telling me my YouTube channel is getting 5,200 new subscribers a month. Instagram's getting about 2,500 new subscribers a month. Facebook's, I don't know, they're playing with the algorithm over there. It's kind of slowed down. We only have 271,000 followers on there. But TikTok's going bananas. Threads going bananas. X is going bananas. The following is incredible. This train is hauling butt down the tracks, gang. And you might want to jump on the train because I'm telling you, if you look around outside... Everywhere you go, everybody's just walking around like zombies staring at their phone. They're all watching your saltwater guide. So how cool would it be to be having me talk about your products in front of 30 million people a month? Well, speaking of that, here we are. Something fishy. My good buddy Brandon invented this chemical that is one of the most unbelievable things. You can drink it. You can eat it. But it takes away the smell of anything fishy, anything monkey pee, cat piss. And I have a big problem right now with my cat peeing all over everything. And then Marley marks this house and this room every day. So right before I go live, I always spray this. Something's fishy, gang. You got to check this out. I have the QR code up there on the screen. If you don't, if you're driving around listening, the product is called Something's Fishy. All right. I want you to check that out. Something's fishy. Go to their website. Check out what's going on over there. You're going to save on the product when you purchase the product by putting in the code YSWG. But you got to have some of this if you're fishing. And Justin's using it on his boat after they chop up the bait, jam it into those bait tubes. They spray this on their hands. No more fishy smell. Something fishy, gang. You got to get some. You got to have some. I told him when we were at the PCS show last year, if this stuff worked for monkey pee, I would talk about it all the time on the show. And it does. And I'm telling you, monkeys love to mark everything to make sure that you know it's 
it all belongs to them. And Marley's no different. He loves to mark his house and his room and my computer and my yesterday he was marking my flipping phone. I had to spray some of the stuff on my phone. Check out something fishy gang. You will not be disappointed. I promise you. I'm going to pull the QR code down now. So grab it if you can. And then uh, we'll get going with the show here. And I want to tell you all, I am so blessed and so happy that Bill Varney has decided that Wednesdays he'd love to be a part of the show. So once again, we got the great Bill Varney with us today and we're bringing him in now. And here we go. Bill, welcome to the show. Hey, good to see you, Captain Dave. Hey, I wanted to tell you, Dave, that I, I use Brandon something fishy also. And, uh, you know, besides what you said and, and uh, gosh, diaper smell and all that. It is really good on your hands when you're um, opening things like mussels and clams and stuff that's going to stink like that. Just spray a little bit on there and you are good to go. What what a great product. Oh, this stuff's incredible, gang, and it's not very expensive. You'll be blown away by the price. You'll The minute you see the price of this, you'll go, I should have had. Why, why don't we have some of this, honey? Why don't we have this? And It's incredible. You're, you don't have to take a second out on your house. Yeah, well, thank you for that. <laughs> Thanks for that endorsement, Bill. How is everything out there in beautiful Colorado? Is it freezing cold? It is. Uh, let's look. Oh, no. It's up to 17 degrees now. It's warmed oh, up from nice. minus four. Minus yeah. four this morning. We have, a but, seven yeah, we, our, we have a seven in our temperature down here, but there's an eight in front of it. <laughs> and i bet your water's warmer than our water too <laughs> yeah it's only 80 degrees today at the beach that's right our our water is so cold you know we all have wells up here that when you wash your hands in the bathroom you get an ice cream headache that's how cold <laughs> the water is <laughs> oh, my, my. my my cousin years ago when he got married he got married before i got you know it's a while ago he got married before i got married i asked him i said well how do you like marriage he said i think it's wonderful but i learned one thing right away and i said well what's that he said don't go to bed after washing your hands with cold water <laughs> we'll leave that one for all of you adults out there <laughs> exactly ice hands <laughs> oh so yeah everything's good everybody had a great christmas and you know everybody's getting ready for the new year and and of course you know california's got had some weather uh prior to or right around the christmas period and that of course made its way here and then to the midwest so lots of water in the making oh good well, we got a huge swell coming today in SoCal. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you saw yep. what's going on, but there's a giant swell coming, which is good for, good for me and Justin and our hoop netting stuff, but it could cause a little bit of problems on the beach for surf fishing, right? Well, it can. You know, th this is the thing about the, these swells in the winter. Of course, what you don't want, it's the same with offshore fishing and, and island fishing, is you don't want the swell with a bunch of wind on top of it. That's that's what you definitely don't want. And what we're seeing now is, at least initially, is not much wind on it, but the swell. And, of course, that's going to reform the beach. Um, it's going to provide some opportunities down the line. But one, one thing for sure is when the surf gets big down there, even in the summertime, you need to wait about one or two days after that for the fish to, you know, come back to their senses, get back in their spots, find the food again, all that time of stuff. 
but one thing I, I, I do always talk about when it comes to the, the swell and, and surf fishing or fishing from the rocks, whether it's on a jetty or a harbor uh, entrance, harbor wall, you know, whether it's Dana Point or Newport or Huntington Beach or Redondo, any of those things, you have to be very, very careful. You can easily get swept from those rocks. And it's not in particular that, hey, you don't know how to swim. I mean, I'm a, I'm a great swimmer. It's that you might hit your head on the way down on that ass, on the uh, uh, rocks, and, and then you'll be stuck in the water and won't be able to swim. And that's the end of that. So, you know, what I do, whenever I go fishing on the rocks, regardless of the size of the swell, I am always getting out to the spot where I'm going to fish. And then before I fish, before I put my bait on, all that stuff, I will look behind me and figure out an escape. So if a wave does come, I can just turn around. I've already made up my mind where I'm going to step, and I can get myself out of the way. Another thing to remember, too, is that when you you know have a fish or, or maybe you're putting on bait or you're using your camera, if I catch a fish, I want to take care of it before letting it go. I will walk back up onto that jetty in the middle somewhere where it's safe, take a picture, and then go back down to the water and drop the fish off. The minute you take your eye off the water, and, and Dave, you and I have seen it on the rocks, we've seen it in boats, we've seen it people standing on the beach. The minute you take your eye off the water is when that wave comes and gets you. And it's not pretty. It is definitely not pretty when that happens, for sure. No. So we want a bunch of our guys, Mike Lewis and Tim Ogilvie. I'm just throwing up a couple of messages here from the guys. They already got their calendars. And I wanted to talk to you, and I know you love this subject. On your calendars is that tide. That tide is probably the most important thing in fishing for me, offshore, sea bass fishing, marlin fishing. The tide is super important. I have a feeling, and I think we need to talk more about that, gang. Now that some people that watch the show every day got your calendars, now they're starting to see that tide and the way it goes up and down and all that stuff. I think it's really important for us to talk about tide for probably most of the show today because it's such an important aspect of fishing. And I know it has to be a big deal on the beach, even though I haven't really spent much time fishing on the beach. Why don't you jump into that and explain to everybody, because you put so much time and effort into making those tide graphs on your calendars. It's got to be probably the most important part, right? I, I would say besides having a sharp hook at the beach, number one is is the tides. And, and just a real simple overview is you go on a dredged beach where you have a wide beach where the sand has been dredged up. We're seeing that in San Clemente being done right now. You go on a beach like that, you're fishing two hours before high tide to two hours after high tide. Um, on non-dredged beaches, just natural beaches, you got Malibu, San Alejo, Carlsbad. You can not only fish that high tide, but you can also fish the low tide on those beaches. And, and like a really good example of when those low tides, when that chart comes into to use and you look at it and you see there's, you know, maybe a, a seven foot high tide and a minus one low tide is going on that minus one low tide to places like the jetties in Newport Beach. And because the tide is so low, now you can hike out almost on dry sand, almost to the end of that jetty. And you can fish right around the front edge of that jetty that normally you wouldn't be able to reach or there's way too much current 
going there. And now you can get in there because you know that halibut are just tugged up tight to just snugged up there. They're tight against those rocks. They're looking for food and now you can get to them. So that that's how it works on the beach. But the question is like, how does it work offshore when you're tuna fishing or fishing around the islands? You know, how, what do you look at at the tides and, and what's a good tide? Well, here's what I try to teach all my members on the website. And we're going to give away some secrets from the website is that tide is super important when you're offshore. If you're in an area that you think you have a very good chance of catching some fish, you want to be in that area. Like if I tell you to go to the 181, you want to try to be out there on the 181 when that tide goes slack and it can go slack high or low. And the reason why is because, and this is my theory and I don't know, I have, like we've talked about before, my education came from the sea. When the tide goes slack, all the bait fish come to the surface. And when I say bait fish, bait fish could be baby marlin. Bait fish could be baby yellowfin tuna. Bait fish could be baby corvina or baby white sea bass. But they all seem to come to the surface when the tide goes slack because that's when the photoplankton floats on the top. Then the zooplankton comes up to eat the photoplankton. And then all the little baby fish come up to eat the zooplankton. So therefore, fish, they're not that smart. I mean, everyone wants to try to tell you they are. That's why there's so much tackle in a tackle store because you're trying to outsmart the dumbest animal on the planet. But all fish, they don't know that they're a thousand pound tuna doesn't know he's a thousand pound tuna. That's why they swim in schools. They're not out there roguely swimming around the ocean. They swim in a pack because they're, that's how they grew up and they think that's safe. So when everything floats, all the fish come to the surface. And I don't care if they're a thousand pounds or if they're one, one half of an inch long. They all come up to feed. Everybody comes to the surface to feed. So slack low, slack high, it doesn't matter. Now, when you're sea bass fishing on the beaches, that slack low seems to be downtown. Same with halibut fishing. For us on the ocean, I've not done it. On the beach, like you, I haven't designed, haven't figured that part out, but I got kind of the gist of how it works on the ocean. And that's what we try to do is plan our days around the slack tide. If we're going to focus tuna marlin or if we're going to be fishing that sea bass, I tell everybody to be on that spot. Be in West Cove an hour before the tide goes slack and fish through it till an hour from one side of it to the other side of it. And if we look at, I think I have a bit, a picture of your chart here. Maybe I do, maybe I don't. Yep, there it is. So gang, when we're talking slack tide, if you look on here, the peaks and the valley, we'll just go to the 27th of September, 2023. If you look at that, where the seven is, that's the peak of the high tide. Then you follow it along and then you'll see dead center in the middle of the calendar right there. You'll see that's the peak of the low tide. That's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the uh, slack. The slack's going to be at the top and the slack's going to be at the bottom. That's for that 20 minutes or half an hour time where the tide quits moving and everything decides to feed. Is that what's going on on the beach or is it totally different? It's, it's similar to that on the beach. On the beach, if you're fishing, you're fishing halibut sea bass you're always looking for those slack tides particularly halibut fishing because the current is so strong on the beach because it's augmented by the surf so they're not going to really come out of the sand until such time as they have a slack tide and it's 
relatively calm. And then on the other hand, when you're perch fishing or corbina, yellowfin croaker, they completely shut off at the slack tide. Like you, you could look at your watch and go, wow, I don't have a bite 20 minutes before high tide. Wow, I don't have a bite 20 minutes after high tide. A minute later, you're hooked up. It, they really, the surf fish really live around those currents. Halibut want no current and almost all the other fish in the, in the sea that are going to be near the shore always want that current. And that's why a lot of times I'll fish, you know, perch corbina with one rod, have my other rod ready for, for surf fishing halibut and wait till that slack tide comes about 30 minutes before high tide, 30 minutes before light, low tide until about 30 minutes after both of those. And that's the hour that I'm spending my time casting the, the battle star, the lucky craft for halibut. So you're saying that the halibut, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm trying to understand so the halibut are going to bite when the tide's slack? Yes. Yeah. They'll mostly okay. they'll almost right. only bite in that period. That's the same thing when I'm fishing, when I'm telling people halibut fishing, when we're fishing the pipes and stuff, we're looking for that slack tide. So it's the same thing for halibut, but not for the surf perch and the corvina and stuff like that. They don't like that because they need that it's, movement. Exactly. They're looking for as much current as possible because remember with, with those fish, they're, they're feeding a so if you have a halibut it probably eats everything but it feeds a lot on fin fish and fin fish are swimming around you know they can come out of the sand a little bit and grab one but when you're talking about corbina let's just say corbina in particular perch that they're eating sand crabs they're eating worms they're eating clams and remember they don't have any hands so they're waiting for the waves to break and then expose that food so when there's no waves or there's very little current going it just doesn't expose a lot of food for them so they kind of digest and swim around and check out their territory at that time and then once the sand starts breaking away as that tide changes and and it's specifically as the tide begins to come up and cover more sand and more sand and expose more of their food underwater that's when they feed okay that makes a lot of sense. When If I wanted to catch a corbina, because they seem to be like the trophy fish on the surf, what am I looking for as far as a beach goes? Sand, gravel, ditches? What am I looking for? Because you know that, that's a good, like the greatest fish to catch in the surf. Am I right? You're, you're right. But, you know, I'm, of course, though, so, you know, there's other great fish to catch. Uh, our 40 pound yellowtail would be exciting. Um, white sea bass <laughs> are exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll show you some pictures, but, but, um, you know, Corbina has got to be one of the number one things to catch. They're, they're very, you know, to some extent, they're very wily. So they're more difficult to catch. That makes it more romantic to, to go after them. But that's a really good question. They occur very infrequently in rocky areas very infrequently um gosh i could maybe count on one hand if even that many how many i've caught near nearer over rocks um they love sand areas they love where sand meets rock so like i said on the edge of a jetty where it comes down and meets the water and then below there on the bottom it's sandy one side and rocky on the other they like edges like that but they particularly like open beach open sand areas where the sand is being broken away and exposing food and, and i'll give you a good example of it one would be the um the uh, bolsa chica inlet in the bolsa chica mar uh, marsh there so 
when the water is coming out of there, when you're going from high tide to low tide, this big stream of water comes out into Bolsa Chica, into the ocean, across Bolsa Chica Beach. As it does that, so on both sides, you have on, on each side, let's say, you've got the um, breakwaters that go out and the water coming down along the side of those. As the tide drops, it breaks away the sand on the edges of that and exposes along that whole edge the tail ends of sand crabs by the thousands. And so the Corbina, they will actually like literally catch the current, catch a wave on the inside, and they'll feed with their nose and that little barbell on their chin that they'll feel the sand with all the way down along the edge of that sand that's breaking away they'll rarely ever be near rocks oh wow okay so they're just following they're just so it's that's why it's so important for that uh tide to be coming out that's when they're gonna because like you said they don't have hands so that's the only way they can dig into that sand to get all those worms and everything out of there right exactly and and another good example is like when you look out into the ocean at your favorite beach and there's a wave that's in the shape of a triangle. The, the reason it breaks that way is that the sand in the center of the wave where all the foam is that you're looking at is shallower than the outside of that wave, which makes it creates a triangular type of shape as of the wave. The bottom is exactly like the wave that you see. It in itself also is a triangular shape where there's a sandbar in the center and then edges on each side of it. So as that wave breaks and, and the power of the wave goes over, it breaks away the edges of that sandbar. That's what you're always looking for, troughs, holes, where the edges of that sandbar have been broken away. Because once again, super simple stuff here. Don't overthink it. It just breaks away the sand which allows all of the clams and worms and sand crabs to be exposed and thereby eaten by the fish. They, they have no way of digging. They can, they can dig with their mouth somewhat, and they kind of use a vacuum system that they have to, to dig up sand and kind of blow it through their um, gills. But in right. general, they're waiting for the, the ocean to do its own thing, and birds are very similar too. Birds feed the so, same way. Mike... What was Mike's last name? He used to have, he wrote that book, Fish Don't Have Hands. Mike Garner. Yeah. Mike Gardner, Garner. Yeah. That was the first time I'd ever heard that when I was like, and I was like, oh my gosh, that makes total sense. If you think about it and you break it down, it sounds very, very easy to figure out. But most people, like I said before we went crazy here on the show, was most people think fish are way smarter than they are. If you break it down like that, they don't have any hands. So if you go to where they got actual chance of the food getting washed out of there, you got a good chance of catching them, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and I mean, that's a really good point. Most people in, I can't speak so much for offshore fishing, although I've done a lot of it, but, but as far as surf fishing is concerned, most people overthink it. It's very, very simple. Fish look for a place to feed, a place that is safe, and a place where they can breathe. That is their basically, other than spawning, you know, I mean, those are that, that's their whole MO. And so you don't want to overthink it. And if you were to live in the ocean, you know, would you live on an open beach in the winter where there's no food? No, you would find some rocks where stuff's getting washed off and, and you can eat it. If you were living on the beach and, and there were other big fish swimming around that 
ate your ate your brother and your neighbors, you would find a hole or a trough or something to lay down in the bottom of it so that you know that you could be safe. Um, and so all of the things that we use in surf fishing, and same with tides and same with moon phases, it's all very simple stuff that just like you, Dave, that you learn from observation, just observing stuff over the same thing happens over and over and over and over and over again in the same scenario. Like, like how many years did I go fishing in the morning after a full moon and couldn't get a bite and then came back in the evening and had the best fishing in my life? And so I would think about that, like, well, why is it like I didn't put the moon phase into consideration? I was like, wow, you know, they must have gotten full in the morning or now they're hungry in the afternoon. I didn't realize that when the moon was out, they could feed at night and see the shadows of their food and thereby feed. They were full in the morning. And so they began to feed in the evening again. And then vice versa, when there's no moon, it's super dark. They are hiding like crazy out there because there's lots of bigger things than them that will eat them if they get exposed. And so they're not going to go out and feed when they can't see anything. And then when the morning comes and the sun starts coming up, man, are they hungry? They're like my cat. They are meowing. They're waking you up. They're biting their face. They're ready to go. So on your calendar, you show moon phase two, right? I do. I show moon phases on there. See, Both the phases and the new moons. That's something we didn't talk about. That has a lot to do with the tide. The moon has a lot to do with the tide. But if you look on the calendar here, you can see on the 6th, Bill shows you what the moon's going to look like. Then on the 14th, then again on the 22nd, then again on the 29th. All this stuff matters, gang. When you're trying to put a game plan together, when you're going to go out fishing, surf fishing, ocean fishing, getting on a long range, everything matters. Like I try to say all the time on my videos, on my website, everything matters. And Bill and I, we can't even emphasize enough to you how important this tide calendar is. And we're not just trying to get you to buy one of Bill's calendars. We're trying to make you understand any, anybody that fishes for a living every day, they're checking this calendar out every day. Whether they have Bill's calendar or they're bringing it up on the internet, we're looking at tides, we're looking at moon phases, and it decides where we're going to go, how we're going to do it. Most of us that fish for a living, we don't have an opportunity to only go when the tide's right or only go when the moon's right. But we can put together a pretty good idea over 40, 50 years of what happened on the day when we were out there, when the tide was high, when the tide was low, when the moon was this, when the moon was that. I think really, and I'm putting words in your mouth, but I kind of think that's what you did, Bill, over all your years of surf fishing. You kind of put together a plan by observing, right? That's that's exactly right. And, and you know, Dave, what, what really helped me, like, I would say this is probably one of my biggest tips. If you're really serious about being an angler, whether it's on the boat or, or on the beach, is that I not only have the information about what the weather is going to be like, how big the swell is going to be like, what is my moon phase and what are my tides. But every single time I go to the beach, I take photographs. I take pictures of the ocean, the size of the surf, the sky, and all the fish that I catch. I have um, tens of thousands of photographs over about 33 year period of time, which allows me to be able to look back at things and figure out 
why things were good, when they were good, what did the what was the tide like that day? What was the wind like that day? What was the sky like that day? Now, as far as the moon phase and the tide might be concerned, you know, I'm not, although I have kept them, I must say, um, but most people was not going to keep their calendars. You can just go to Google and Google, you know, what was the tide on, on December 20th, 1999 and know what the tide is. But what's really neat about that is not only does it help me become a better angler, because I can see like in what month what I use for bait and all that, but it also helps me prepare for the beach. And I'm not saying just like preparing for tomorrow. I'm saying preparing for the whole month of, let's say, May. So let's say I'm in April. I'm in the middle of April and still a bit slow, but I know May's coming up. I know we're going to probably see sand crabs in May. So I'm going to go to my computer. And I'm going to look at May 1999, May 2000, 2001, 2002, all of those years. And I'm going to figure out what, was the, what were the conditions like in most Mays? When did I catch my first sand crabs? What kind of fish did I catch in May? What rigs did I use in those months? I know so much from that. It's amazing. Like I can look at July and June and make my complete plan for the whole month of July and then take that information about where I was catching fish, what I was using for bait, how I was rigging, and then go to my tide chart, my current tide chart, and go, okay, I'm going to look at the month of July. I see these two weekends that are coming up. Um, that are two weeks apart. There's a very small tide. I'm going to go shopping those weekends. I'm going to go on a trip those weekends. But the other two weekends have a great tide movement. And I know I caught halibut on this week and I caught spot fin and yellowfin croaker and corbina on this week. And so all of that information really helps to go back and look at all those photographs because your computer will group them by month. And you'll be able to look and go, wow, you know, February was really slow. <laughs> and this is what I did in February, you know, but, but June or July is wide open. And where would be the best place for me to get bait or best place for me to start to fish that time of the month, that type of stuff, really helpful stuff. Right. And it all, everything matters. Every single right. thing matters, gang. I can't emphasize that enough. I talk about it all the time, but when you have a guy like Bill come on here, with his elegant way of talking, he's just telling you the same thing I've been telling you. I just do it a lot louder is every single thing matters. So pay attention to everything. And he's taking those pictures. You got to remember back in the day when Bill first started taking pictures, we didn't have a picture. We didn't have a picture taker on our phone. You had to carry a camera around with you on top of all the other stuff you had to carry. And why did he do that? Because it matters. Remember, everything matters. If you want to be successful in your job, you approach it and you're the very best at what you do because of the fact that you pay attention to everything. If you want to be really good at surf fishing, you start to pay attention. You can't just keep calling Bill and going, Bill, where should I go today? You'd love to be able to figure out where to go on your own, right? You don't want to call Bill every time. Plus, Bill's not going to answer the phone every time because Bill's probably going to be fishing. So start to pay attention and put together your own log. Like Bill said, he takes a picture every day and then he goes back and he looks at the picture of his fish. He looks at what the weather was doing. Was it Southeast that day? Was it Northwest? Was it sunny? Was it overcast? And yep. then he also looks at the moon phase and he looks at the tide and then he puts together a plan. We all do that. I tied Steve Lasley on here a couple of weeks ago and I told everybody the thing about Laz, he's just like you. I can ask Steve, hey, September 13th, 2001, what was the weather like that day? 
<laughs> and he'll go, where at? And I'll go, hi, didn't let's go Catalina. He'll go, well, that day it was blown out of the southeast. The the swell was four to six foot. There was a the moon was cresting that day, and the, there was a couple of big tidal swings. You're like, and that's why he's so successful because he pays attention to everything. Gang, real quick, before we go any farther, Pacific Sport Fishing Alliance, Bill Barney, Captain Dave Hansen, we're all going to be at the Bart Hall Fishing Tackle and Boat Show at Long Beach. I'm going to be there doing two seminars. I'm going to first, I'm going to do a seminar with Larry Hansen for Pacific Sport Fishing Alliance. We're going to talk all about the lodge up there in Alaska. We're going to talk all about fishing down on the Baja. We're going to do a really good, I'm going to present a really good seminar with Larry helping me. And we're going to, it's not going to be as wild as my normal seminar. And then the afternoon of Saturday, it's free flow Hanson. I'm going to be going bananas. I'm going to be doing the Dave Hanson show that I'm famous for doing at the Bard Hall show. I've been doing it for, I don't know, 25 years. It's going to be insane and it's going to be spectacular. But if you want to learn more about the Pacific Sport Fishing Alliance and what Larry Hanson and the boys over there have planned for you, they have memberships. You can get involved and you can travel with the group and, and people get lifetime friendships out of this thing, Bill. But the mm -hmm. really cool thing is I'll be there. Larry will be there. And then Kelly girl and I are going to Gustavus, Alaska in uh, September. The first trip we're leaving, we're going up there on the 7th of September and we're fishing at the lodge with Larry Hansen and everybody. And then the second trip starts on the 12th. Now the first trip, there's one availability left. The second trip, there's still four available. You can get, you can get all the information. You can go to Pacific Sport Fishing Alliance. I'll put the QR code up in a little bit. Or you can come to the Bard Hall Show and sit down and talk to me and Larry. And we'll answer all your questions. It'll be quite spectacular. We're going to do everything we can to make sure that you understand exactly what Pacific Sport Fishing Alliance is all about. And then get ready. And like Arnie always says, put on your hard hat because Dave Hansen's <laughs> going free flow in the afternoon. It's going to be pretty epic. <laughs> right yeah i can't wait i can't wait you know um I'll, I'll be doing a couple different seminars too i'll be doing a daily seminar which will be uh, you know about 45 minutes an hour long where i'm going to go through rod and reel combinations rigging all the different baits we use and how to hook those baits and then finding fish at the beach. So if you're a surf angler or you're just starting either one, you know, uh, an expert or a, or a novice, you got to come on by. There's a lot you'll learn there and you can of course ask questions. And then on Friday morning before the show, we're having the pre-show seminar. It's, it's me and, and Wes Braw from the Cabo surf master from, Cabo San Lucas. Um, we're going to talk to him about such things as catching Dorado, a grouper, um, who knows, a marlin someday, maybe a wahoo someday from the beach, things he's done. We're going to talk to him about this gigantic tarpon he caught in Florida during the ICAST show. It's absolutely gigantic. I can't, I just can't believe how big it is. It must be 50, 60, 70 pounds. I can't even tell how big it is. It's so big. So we're going to talk a little bit about that too. And, and, and this is all to benefit CCA. Um, we're there to help CCA become successful, be successful, continue to be successful in all of the work that they do to 
keep a angler, a, you know, angling available for all fishermen in, in the state of California for improving habitat, for working on hatcheries, taking kids fishing, all the different things that they do. So, you know, I'm really excited to see you, Dave, and it's going to be fun. We're going to have a great time. Oh, it's going to be spectacular. And um, I was talking to Chris over at CCA. I'm doing everything I can this year to give back because I've been very, very blessed with uh, once I got on board with Elliot and the social media thing just went bananas, but I'm humbled also. And I'm going to be at the CCA booth out there in front of the Long Beach Convention Center because I'm only doing two seminars at the show. If you want to join Bill and I and get into all this cool stuff, there's the QR code, Elliot, Bill. Elliot just put this together because we just received the email while we're online talking right now about oh, good. So listen to this. This is how phenomenal Elliot is, Bill. We just got the promo code for the $2 off. Oh, yeah. The two, ticket. Yeah, $2 okay. off, right. He just, we just, him and I just got this right now oh, while we're gosh. talking. Look at what he did. Look at what oh, he did. Oh, my gosh. Can, can it's El Elliot on the spot. Can you imagine if he was running the show over there? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> really? We could use that help. <laughs> be a little different. But that's right. Hey, if you want to join Bill and I, if you want to come and you want to see all the cool things, if you want to come see me speak at the first show of the year, I'll be at the PCS show. Don't get me wrong. And I'll be there with my booth and my entourage. And Pablo will be there and Justin and Kelly Girl and everybody will be at PCF. But if you want to come and see me and talk to me, I'll be at the CCA booth during the day. I'm going to go inside, do my show, come back out, finish off the afternoon at the CCA booth, come by, say hi, sign up for CCA because gang, I pound this into your heads every day. CCA is the only voice we have, whether you believe in it or not. If you don't, it doesn't matter because we don't have a voice gang. And Frank Lepresti showed it. We Elliot and I showed you all a video. Frank telling you the United States of America is on a mission to stop fishing. Anthony Shea mm -hmm. was at on my podcast on Friday. He's way inside, farther than you can comprehend. There's they're on a mission to stop fishing. There I am. Look at me. Silly old Captain Dave. But Oregon's about to pass a law this year. Bill, I don't know if you're even aware of this. They're going to make fishing 100% illegal in the state of Oregon because it's animal cruelty. And Anthony oh was God. talking about it on Friday. This is coming down the back. Nobody even knows this is coming. If they get this law passed, Bill, it's just a matter of time before the other 49 states jump on this thing. Animal cruelty. But I'll be there speaking at the show, at the Bard Hall show, I'll be in the CCA booth because we got to slow this thing down. I don't think, I don't think we're going to stop it, but let's pump the brakes a little bit and slow this closing fishing thing down at least so that my grandkids can have a chance to fish a little bit. I know that the United States of America wants anybody that goes outside and smiles and have fun. They're going to try to figure out how to get that, but we're going to be slowing it down with CCA. Don't miss this show. It's going to be incredible, right, Bill? It's going to be so fun. There's so many great vendors that are there. All the traditional vendors will be there. Um, there's hundreds of seminars of every subject you can think of. 
um, besides the, the traditional seminar we're going to have with the Department of Fish and, and uh, Wildlife, we're also having a women's symposium there, which is so cool because we're going to have all these different gals talking about how they're involved in fishing. So we're going to have women that are, are manufacturers reps. We're going to have women that are writers, sports writers. We're going to have women that work on the boats themselves and they're going to, they're going to give their perspective. And I really encourage, you know, for the women's symposium on Saturday, which will be two hours long is, you know, to bring your girlfriend or your wife or your husband along or somebody who's maybe not familiar, you know, with, with fishing. And it's really going to open their eyes up. And, and what's neat about the gals is they're going to talk about like, you know, not only how they got into fishing, but if you're interested, if you're a gal and you're interested, like what clubs can you join where there's lots of gals? What trips can you go on that are all girls trips? Things like that. It's going to be a great, great time. And we're going to cover everything from surf fishing, lobster, long range, tuna fishing, you name it. It's all going to be there at the Bart Hall show. And when, when you think of the, the three shows, the Bart Hall shows, two of them, and, and then the PCS show. So much great information. You should go to all three of those shows. You should try to learn as much as you can. And that's also an awesome time to get to you know meet and greet, sometimes for a lot of us the very first time, people you've never met before in the fishing industry and ask them questions you've always wondered about. So those shows are coming up. That's going to be in, in January, February, and March. And we're going to be able to enjoy that, those three you know, months of shows. And then that's going to be followed with the fishing season open and off we go. Yeah. That's what's really special about this because usually January, we got nothing really going on February. We're all getting ready for the hall shows and for the PCS show. But how rad is it this year that they've sprinkled them out three months. So you got a show, a show and a show. And then all of a sudden it's April and then we're back fishing again because, you know, Rockfish is closed until April this year. So this is going to get us all through it. This is going to get us all through. It. You're going to be able to go to a show in January, a show in February and a show in March. You're going to get to come and speak with Bill, sit down and talk to him. This is a time where all the people in the industry, all the people you see on my show every week, they're all going to be there, gang. You're going to get to come up and talk to them and, and meet them and shake their hands and uh, talk about all the things you learned about them on the show and all the things coming up and how we can all stay involved in this fishing thing. It's going to be epic. I'm really excited that Bart has put these things into January, February, and then Bill's big show in March. It's just going to be an insane three months, and then we go right into fishing again. Can't, can't wait. It's going to be a lot of, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I, I just want to let everybody know too, that like, you know, Dave and I, you might see us plastered all over social media and all that stuff, but we are just like you. We are just regular people. We are just people with a passion for our sport and, and maybe, you know, maybe a little nutty because we're so passionate about it versus some other folks out there. But we love talking with you. We love answering your questions. I, I cannot tell you, Dave, like over the years at all the shows, like how much I personally have learned from people coming up to me and saying, hey, I went down to the beach. I'm not a big surf angler, but I tried this. It really worked well. Something I would have never thought about, something I would have never tried before. I learned from somebody that maybe it was maybe their first few times down at the beach. So. 
once again, we, we just love seeing everybody. We want everybody to come up to us. We, we do wish at the show we had more time to talk to everybody, you know, for an hour or something. But certainly we're there. We hope to answer all your questions and just have a great time. Oh, for sure. Like, as you find out as we move along and you become part of your saltwater guide more, the, the community over there. When Kelly Girl and I wake up in the morning, we have our coffee, we open up the app and we look at all the posts in the community and we see all the pictures of all the people with the big smiles on their faces and their children with the big smiles on their faces. That's what feeds me. I have my phone number. I'm the weirdest guy on the planet. Let's be honest. I am super weird. My phone number, my personal phone number bill is everywhere. I do not hide it. I do not care. I want you to call me. I want people to call me. There's nothing I like. I love my wife and I love my animals and I love my grandkids and my kids and everybody. But boy, do I really get excited when it's a new client or a new member calling me up and then they're blown away that I answer my calls. I answer the phone and then I talk to them about fishing because like you just said, we're weirdos. We want to talk about fishing. We just, <laughs> we love it. We just absolutely love it. And then if we can help you to obtain your goal of catching fish, <laughs> I feel like I win the lottery every time I see a post with one of my, one of my members going, look at, I did. I caught the yellowtail. Look at our, what's going on right now. We caught our personal best lobster. Or this season, we caught our personal best bluefin. And it's all because I'm so passionate about what I do every single day. That's so true. It's I mean, it's really, it's really true. And and I, I'm the same way. You know, my phone number is all, all over the internet. My personal number and my email address and every, every Facebook, every way to get a hold of me. And it's so cool. Like over the years, I, I've met thousands and thousands of people. And, and that's one thing I must say about the, the people that are anglers. First of all, really nice people. I'm talking thousands of people, <laughs> really, just like you, Dave, at the shows and all that. Really nice people, everybody with like common interests. And what's like so cool about it is like every person is represented. Like every ethnicity, every gender, every sexual orientation, every age, every size, every socioeconomic group from the richest billionaire guys down to the guy who just owns a fishing rod and lives in a car and everybody in between. Like there is not a single sport out there. And I know it because my son played football, basketball, baseball, um, lacrosse hockey all these different sports each one of those sports like had their own little group of people you know whether whether it was their ethnicity or their attitude or whatever had these groups fishing is not like that Fit anglers are of every walk of life every background everything is interesting it's a great group of people and and you know we're just so glad to be part of it i'm much more happy being part of this that am be part of the hockey group, let's say, for example. <laughs> so real quick, and then we got a lot more to talk about and we're flying through the hour. We, we're probably going to go over today. Let's just be honest. We're going to go over a little bit. But this Bart Hall show thing, gang, listen to this. If you purchase your tickets right now, you just because you enter the code YSWG2024, you're going to save $2 on your. There isn't anybody else. 
Gang, this is how important. This is the power. I, and I'm sorry. I'm going to toot my own horn. This is the power of your saltwater guide, gang. We have 30 million views a month. We have the best social media director in the history of the internet, Elliot Andrews. The guy is a magician. And right now we're posting this QR code, but all of you driving around in your cars, you can't see the QR code. You put in, when you're buying your tickets, you put in the code YSWG2024. You're saving two bucks on your ticket. You get to come, you get to meet me, you get to meet Bill, you get to hang out. And you get to come to the show and support CCA and help stop the closures of fishing or slow it down a little bit. And uh, come and I guarantee you, if you come and you said in my seminar or Bill's seminar, we're going to entertain you. I promise you that you will not mm -hmm. be disappointed. It'll be worth every single penny to come and sit down and watch. Because I don't know if you know, but I don't have a filter. So. You want to come. It's like a NASCAR race. Everybody goes to see the wreck. You may want to come and just see what the heck's going to come out of my mouth this year. <laughs> well, you know, I think, Dave, I think your the, your tickets there are the only discounted tickets that the bar hall shows are offering. Um, so it's a bar, you know, a bargain for to get two bucks off of the, the show for sure. And all of the different things. You know, one thing that's coming up this year, which is really cool, is... Um, CCA is doing the star tournament. Now the star tournament started in Texas, I believe, made its way to Florida. It's in a couple of other states. And what that is, is it's a catch and release tournament that allows you to catch and release fish, keep them if you wish, but catch and release also. And then based on those fish, they become an entry for you into a drawing. And the drawing has um, a uh, Parker skiff with a Yamaha, Yamaha outboard motor. I don't know what that's worth, but it's got to be like 50 grand for that boat. And overnight trips, all kinds of great things that you can win during the star tournament. It's a small amount to enter. I can't remember exactly how much I'm going to say $20 to enter. There's an app that goes on your phone. You just take a photograph of the, they have a ruler that they give you. And then you take a photograph of the fish, either keep it or let it go. And then that becomes an entry for you. So that star tournament will go from um, Labor Day to Memorial Day is the other way around. Memorial Day until Labor Day. Um, so the beginning of the summer to the end of the summer, and that's something new with CCA. And of course, that's a fundraiser for them. But if you're the the big winner, you're going to get a fifty thousand dollar boat from West Coast Marine, which is right down at Costa Mesa on the edge of Newport Beach. So if you ever have an issue with it, they're there to take care of you. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. And they're going to have the boat right there at the show, so you can take a quick look at what you're going to win. And again, you're going to go fishing anyway, so you might as well get in the tournament, right? Because you're going to go fishing. Yeah. You're going to go fishing, so you might as well get into the tournament. And then real quick, I just want to let you know, I am super honored that you guys are offering that to all of the people that watch me, the, the $2 discount on the tickets. Every penny counts nowadays, gang. We know. We know. Bill and I, we talk about it all the time. Mm -hmm. We know. We know how everything's going today. We know the price of everything is astronomical, no matter what they try to tell you on, on the news. We know we're all living it. We understand. So saving two bucks, it's two bucks. Let's be honest. You bring your kids and your wife and everybody, you guys save enough to, to buy yourself a sandwich anyway. 
Come to the show. I promise I will not let you down. I will entertain you. We will give you guys the times that Bill, Bill, you're going to be there early in the morning, you and Wes doing those early morning before the show starts, super special seminars. But they're structured, gang, which that's not me. I'm flying by the seat of my pants. But Wes is super excited. I saw him at Sushi Bar down here the other night. Wes lives here in Cabo San Lucas also. And uh, we saw him at the Sushi Bar. He's super excited to come to the show and talk about how bitching it is surf fishing. The day I saw him, he caught Dorado in the surf down here that day. So he, he just posted those on his, uh, on his social media, but you get to come and see Bill and you get to see Wes and then you got to hang out, cruise around the show. And then I'll be doing a seminar with Larry. And then I'll be doing another flying by the seat of my pants seminar. By myself. It's going to be fun. It's I'm super excited. It's going to really be the kickoff of fishing season because we're coming out of January. It's cold. It's miserable. We understand. And then Bard Hall. We're going to have so much fun. But don't forget, gang, I still have five days left of the uh, super special sale end of the season lifetime membership to my website, yoursaltwaterguide.com. And then this is going to go away. And I probably will never do this again because I've sold way too many. And and every day I think, uh uh-oh, I might have done something wrong here. But I... I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it plays out. But a lot of people have taken advantage of this lifetime membership gang right now. You're going to save. All you got to do is live for two years to get your money's worth out of it. But come in January 1st, 2024, the price of your saltwater guides going $29.99 a month, $29.99 a month. And the bundles are all going to $200 a piece. And that's just the way it is gang because of the price of everything's gone up. But right now, if you want to jump in there and save, give me a call at 949-374-0786. Five days, January 1st, 2024. It'll no longer be available. I don't care how close of a friend you are of mine or how fo- how long you've been following me. You got to take advantage of it now, gang. You're going to be bummed on January 1st when I go, I can't do that for you. I'm sorry. I know I, you love me, but I can't do it. So call me, 949-374-0786. Let's get you in on that. Get those tickets, get those tickets to Bart Hall sooner than later. We'll talk about it for the next couple of weeks. I mean, the Bart Hall show, that's three and a half weeks from today. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's crazy. That is crazy. Put on your Time dancing shoes. Time's flying. You got to go to Southern California. I got to come up to Southern California. We're both that's right. at the Orange County Airport. <laughs> well you know here's a you know as i told you about west you know i've always wanted to ask him since he caught this big tarp and more about you know my questions about tarpon fishing so cool i i did hook a huge one in florida and and was fishing from the uh, bridge actually and lost it but here i don't know if it's going to come off i'm going to show you a picture of this one of west's at least part of its body i don't I'm, i'm not sure if they couldn't include the whole thing it was so big but check this thing out Oh, wow. That's a big fish. He had to jump in the water with it? He had to jump in the water with it because it was so big. There was a little ridge. There was a little bit of a ridge on the edge of the inlet that it was in. 
and they couldn't get it up on that edge to get the hook out of it. So he just jumped in the water with it and um, got a scale off of it while he was out there. Showed me the scale. It was it was about this big around. I was like size of my face. One one scale. But anyway, incredible fish. Oh my gosh. Yeah, he's caught some incredible fish in his life, but that's bucket list right there. That that tarpon. Yeah. I went and tried it. I got a few bites, but the minute they touch that hook, they jump out of the water and throw your bait. I'm just standing there with my jaw hanging. <laughs> what just happened? A hundred pound anchovy just tried to eat my fly. It's crazy. <laughs> It is crazy. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah. But yeah, we're really looking forward forward to the show and asking, be able to ask a lot of questions. And and then, of course, Wes is a guide, um, just like you, Dave, down there. He's a guide. So if you're interested in going surf fishing with him, um, he'll actually, he's got such a great system. He'll, I would go and meet him at the naval base, as you know, right at the end of the harbor there. And um, in the morning before the sun came up in his brand new truck, and he'd drive us up to the beach, me and a couple of Texans that were his customers and we go up to Magrino beach and drive right out on the sand and park. And he's got all the rods, all the, all the rods, all the reels, all the line, all the lures. You just grab a rod out of the back of the truck and you're in business and it's something else. There's nothing like it. No, it's pretty insane. It's pretty insane, but let's go back now talking about fishing in Southern California with this big swell. We started the show out talking about this big swell. This big swell is coming today. Are there places where you can fish around a big swell or do you just kind of take a powder and say, okay, we're going to wait till this swell has gone and then we're going to hit it hard when the swell goes away? That's a great question, Dave. Yes, there, there is. And, and actually it's, it's seasonal. And this is really another one of those observation things, another really simple thing to remember in the surf fishing world. So, for example, in the summertime, our swells come from the south. So, if I was to go fishing at like uh, Malibu, Leo Carrillo, um, County Line, Point Magoo, um, Rincon, all of those places are facing south. So, they're going to get a swell that washes those areas out in the summertime. Then in the winter, our swell this big swell that's coming is a little bit out of the west, but it's generally out of the north or the northwest. Those are going to be, when you have a south-facing beach at that time of year, Cabrillo Beach, all those, even Huntington Beach, those beaches are going to be protected because the swell is coming at an angle that's not coming to those beaches. So to make it really, really simple, if you have a jetty that goes out into the water, let's say you uh, at one of the Newport jetties, there's, I think, six of them in a row before the pier. If the swell is in the summer and it's coming out of the south up the coast, I'm fishing on the right-hand side of the jetty because the jetty is blocking that swell from breaking and coming into the area where I'm fishing. And it's also creating a big eddy circulation on my side off the end of the jetty as the water wraps around the end of that jetty it swirls around in a big circle fish don't have any hands so that swirling water brings that food up and that's where they're going to congregate so in the winter time i'm fishing on the left hand side or the south side of the jetty 
That way, the swells coming from the north are going to hit the right-hand side of the jetty and mitigate those. And then on the opposite side, which would be the south side or the left-hand side of the jetty, if I'm looking straight out at it at Newport Beach, it's going to be much calmer in there. And then once again, out near the tip, there's going to be an eddy circulation on the on the what would be the the leeward side of that um, rock structure, and that's where the water's going to be swirling, foaming, and the fish are going to be coming up to eat there. So yes, depending on the direction of the swell, I'll be able to look at it and say, oh yeah, I can go fishing at Cabrillo Beach over by uh, PV and Pedro right there because the swell's being blocked by the, all the Palos Verdes. So yes, definitely look at the swell direction and then where you're going to fish. And of course, number one tip is favorite you can go to my site, fishthesurf.com, look under live cameras or find them yourself on the internet and fav a favorite a bunch of cameras on beaches that you would normally go to. And then the day, the week before you go, look at each one of those cameras and get a feeling for how big the surf is there, the conditions, how crowded it is, if you can see fish in the water sometimes, all those things. Okay. That makes a lot of sense, but I didn't even think of that. I thought as soon as there's a big swell, I'm like, I'm not going surf fishing, but oh my gosh, you just opened up a whole bunch of new things that's going to allow everybody that's listening to understand what's going on now. A question, because I'm not paying attention and I should, but tomorrow's game plan Thursday, or yeah, tomorrow's game plan Thursday, so I throw out the game plans on Thursday. I don't know which way the swell's coming from. Which way is the swell coming from? Did you see which way it's coming from tomorrow? Yeah, it's it's a, it's a northwest, oh, okay. um, but it has a, it has a little bit more west in it. So you know, if you're looking like um, Hermosa, Manhattan, Redondo, um, Dockweiler, Del Rey, um, Santa Monica, that's all going to be washed out by a big swell. And then you could go down to Cabrillo Beach. You can go to probably tuck up near um, Anderson Street in, in Huntington Beach. And there's going to be very little swell down there. There's going to be some wraparound, which is going to be great for water movement, but not enough to end fishing. If you went to Hermosa Beach, there'd be no fishing there. It's going to break near the end of the pier, be way too big. PV is going to be really huge and dangerous. So you go around the corner and it's going to be protected there. And we're going to see most of these swells between now and really the end of April coming from the Northwest. Okay. That's good to know. And then uh, one of my very, very good friends, John Stanley, Buckethead Bait Tanks, he has a question. And mm -hmm. I know the answer, but he's asking this question and I want you to answer. Are the beaches open for fishing or are there some restrictions like there is for parts of the ocean? Yes, there are restrictions. Oh my God, I got to get on the soapbox again. Okay, first of all, most be there, there are some um, MLPA areas that are closed along the shore. Um, PV is one, they, they, Laguna is one. There's a few of them along the shore that really aren't going to affect us a lot. We'd like to have the spots back, of course, because we weren't doing anything to them, but making them better and fun. Um, but in general, from that standpoint, not really. Of course, on top of that, you've got private property areas that are closed, Vandenberg. Um, you've got uh, Camp Pendleton. You've got um, uh, Coho Point, which is... Um, uh, above Santa Barbara there, the, the Hollister Ranch, it's all closed. But the thing that has really gotten us over the years is that on all the LA County and all, I think, of the 
Orange County beaches, they have closure from 10 p.m. until I think 6 a.m. maybe it is. And so they have a closure there where you can't fish at night, um, which is lame because the best shark fishing without question. And man, there are some monster sharks to be caught at the beach, whether it's at Torrance Beach or, or Huntington Beach, leopard sharks, soup fin sharks, um, seven gills, a whole bunch of different ones. Middle of the night is the time you fish for those. So a few, uh, about a year ago, luckily about a year and a half ago, I was notified by a person I know inside the Department of Fish and Game, Fish and Wildlife, who told me that they're going to get rid of, um, uh, of collecting grunion, like from an unlimited number to one. They wanted to go to one. Like who would go on the beach at two in the morning and walk a mile to find one, take home one grunion. So they, they wanted to do that. And I made the point to them that many of the beaches in California have a de facto closure. In other words, if you want to go to Huntington Beach at two in the morning and look for grunion, it's against the law because the beach is already closed. Whoa. They don't, yeah, closed. So they don't need to go and tell us like, oh, you can't keep these fish any longer because they've already got these de facto closures. It's not like it's open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 12 months out of the year, and people are just down there getting them by the billions. So yes, that's a long answer, but some of the beaches are closed due, due to the uh, MLPA closures. Private property has closures. And then there's the quote unquote de facto closures, which are at night from 10 PM till sunrise at many of the local beaches. And I just want to be crystal clear with this grunion thing, gang. It's uncomprehensible to understand what's going on on the beach with the grunion if you've never seen it before. When these little fish come up on the beach, they literally decide, today's the day I'm going to come up on Doheny. Now, they could have not come up on Doheny three runs in a row, and then all of a sudden, today is the day, and no one knows why, but today's the day, and tens of thousands of these little fish will come up on the beach and when the wave pushes them up they all come up they spawn in the sand and the next wave washes them back in the ocean this is not happening on one beach this is happening on a hundred thousand beaches all the way down the baja okay it's not just happening at your beach in doheny it's happening that night up and down the coast all the way down the baja the only way you can catch them by law is with your hands, one at a time. Now, when you're working in the surf and the waves are coming and they're washing up and then they're washing back down, you cannot, I don't care if you're even Bill Barney, you cannot have an adverse effect on the population of Grunion with your hands at all in any way, shape, or form. And here's how... And I'm on the soapbox right now. Here's how screwed up it is, gang. We went from an unlimited amount. We could have as many as we want to 30 with no science in whatsoever. 0.0 science was done. And this goes right back to what we were talking about. And I'm sorry, but it's super important to get involved with CCA. We have no voice. These closures just keep coming and coming and coming and we don't have a voice and we don't have a seat at the table 
unless we're involved with CCA. That's the only seat we have. You got to be involved, gang. Grunion is super near and dear to my heart. It's my very most favorite bait in the whole world to use. I, I know ghost shrimp work epic, but they are unbelievably gnarly to try to catch. It, it'll wear out your shoulder. It'll wear out your hand. It'll wear out using that sand pump. It's not an easy animal to get. They are phenomenal bait, but they last about an eighth of a second. Grunion, every fish in the ocean wants to eat them, and they're very easy to catch. Because you can walk down on the beach and pick them up with your hands. But a great night of grunion hunting, you might get 100. I mean, really, because you're getting the crap beat out of you. And they only come up on the beach for a half an hour, 45 minutes, and they vanish. They're not up on the beach for five hours, and it's just a free-for-all. So it's so sad that this happened because I'm a huge grunion fisherman. I love using them for bait. They Everything bites them. My children didn't even know that they weren't bait. They did. That's what they thought that God put them on the planet for bait. So it's so sad, but Hey, our buddy Jeff just asked this question. You see it up there, Bill? I do. I do. He says, um, sometimes when I fish at the river jetties, I use, I, I see mullet, um, going crazy in the surf in the shore break waves. Do you ever target those? Well, well, first of all, I, I see those two down there and another place where you'll see a lot of them that will ball up, which is really odd. <laughs> For, for them is right around the edges of where the Santa Ana river comes out. Like, like as it comes out into the ocean and you know, it spreads out like this and along those edges, as it spreads out, there's little troughs there. And sometimes you can walk along in kind of a medium tide and see a couple hundred of them in there. Now mullets, they generally eat a uh, moss, opali moss in particular, which is a green moss that grows on the rocks. It happens um, especially when we have years like this year, there's gonna be a lot of it this year where we have freshwater runoff into salt water, this, this moss grows. So most people who fish for mullet snag mullet and there's certain rules I'm not familiar with. So it's something I've, I've not really done. And I've always kind of wondered, I know that they're good offshore if they're near shore, good near shore baits too, I'd be curious to find that out. But uh, no, I've never really messed with them, but I've definitely seen them down there in big numbers. When we were kids, Bill, when we were filleting Barracuda at the dock at Dana Moore Sport Fishing, those big mullets, the big ones, the four and five pounders would be swimming around eating the Barracuda row. They would just be grabbing the Barracuda row and sucking on it. So we used to take that Barracuda row, and put it on a treble hook and drop it in the water there. I don't know how the mullet do it, but they would get it off of there, never get hooked. They're an amazing animal. They suck. I, I tried fishing for them too many times. I hate them. They suck. Our good friend Ace Devo is asking, he meant to say Bill. He called you Steve, but he backed it up here. But he's he's wondering about the sand spike type of fishing. And I know you're totally, that. that's not your deal. Throwing a line out the, as far as you can cast it in the surf and then put it in a, in a sand spike and standing there and watching the rod or put a bell on the end of it. That's not your deal and that's not mine. I can't do it. My head would explode. Well, you know, that was, you know, that was the way that I originally started surf fishing. I mean, when it, when I was, you know, I was born in 19, <coughs> excuse me, 1958 and I lived at, in my, I my mom and dad and my two sisters at the time, I have three now, um, 
we all lived at my grandma's house in Hermosa Beach, and she lived across the street from the water because my parents were broke. Um, and so we would go surf fishing all the time, and that was the technique that we would use. Now, that technique is still a viable technique. Um, th this, this light line just augments that technique. But to give you a really good example of what a lot of people do is that they will fish the sand spike rod. So they might have a you know two, three, four-round sinker and a two-hook ganyan, and they'll cast that bigger rod with anywhere from a you know five six thousand size spinning reel to a like a jig master size a 20 size conventional reel and they'll cast that way out there then they'll put it in their sand spike and then they'll pick up the lightweight rod and i've done this many times and then we'll fish right in front of it and look back every couple of minutes and see if we get bit on that big rod so yes there's a place for both of those and then you use a smaller rod to kind of keep your going while you're waiting to get a bite on on the big rod and you might end up with a big shark or a big ray or a sea bass or something on the big rod and then on the small one um you can end up with a couple of corbine or something like that i'm i'm looking for a picture here um and see if i can find it here this is a, a fellow that i know um that went fishing asked me about he lives up in uh, victorville asked me about going fishing with a guide in san diego the guide was a really pretty well-known shark angler and so that's the technique that they use these big rods and then he actually used a wire leader and about a half of a mackerel and threw that thing out there and then they took the small rods and were fishing in front of it and he said oh you know we caught like three or four me and my son three or four corbina and a bunch of purge and then we saw the big rod go off and this was at la jolla we saw the big rod go off and we thought oh you know it was right around sunset we thought for sure, you know, we must have gotten some nice size um, shark on there, which is what we we're fishing for. So he's fighting this fish in and he's fighting it for, gosh, 20, maybe as much as 30 minutes. It's going back and forth. It's getting closer in. He finally gets it to shore. I'm still trying to find it here. He finally gets it to shore and it's a 40 pound yellowtail. It, oh, it wow. is by far the biggest yellowtail I've ever seen taken from the beach in, in the US. I've seen some pretty big ones in Baja around that same size, but but to catch one of those in the beach, I mean, that is unexpected, but with those long rods, those heavy sinkers, there still is a fishing opportunity using those. That is good to know. That is, that's a lot of phenomenal information. I wanna ask you a question though. Is a fish and wildlife gonna write you a ticket for fishing with two rods in the sand on the beach? No, no. It's really, that is such an odd discussion. As you know, like in freshwater fishing, you need to purchase a second rod stamp. Saltwater fishing is completely different. And the reason I know this is because there was a, a one or two guys that were fishing seven or eight rods in a row at the beach in this one really good spot fin croaker area. And everything they were catching, whether it was a ray or whatever, was going into the bucket. And it bothered me that they weren't letting more stuff go because they were just keeping every little things, big things, rays, skates, things you would normally let go. And so I was talking to the lifeguard about it, um, who's a police officer. And he said, you know, there's not a lot I can do about it, but I'm going to talk to fish and wildlife. So he talked to them. They got back to him and 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 they said, you know, if one individual can manage five rods at the beach, 
it's perfectly fine to have more than one rod. Now, the end right. of the story is, the end of the story to this was that this continued for weeks. And after another couple of weeks went by, I was a little bit upset about it. So I went back to talk to my lieutenant friend again, and he just made a courtesy call for me. And he asked the, the fish and game warden to come down and the fish and game warden came down and he went and talked to these guys. And what they figured out after a little bit of investigation was they were catching these fish at the beach and they were selling them as food in a local restaurant, which is a huge no, no, big no, no. So after that, I never had a problem with them. <laughs> Crazy story. But yeah, you can't sell a sport caught fish. It's probably, it's the number one thing. People ask us all the time, hey, can I buy one of those? No, we can't sell them, gang. It's not the way it is. It's different. It's different in Hawaii. It's different wherever you're from. We're in California. You can barely go outside. It's barely legal to go outside anymore. And I, I, <laughs> right. I'm just telling you. Yeah, breathing is coming up into question. Okay, so here's a picture of this yellowtail from the beach. This is two two summers ago. Wow, wow. <laughs> That's a real one. That's the beach for you. Look how big that thing is. That is a beautiful <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? When he, when he first sent me that picture, he, he texted me the picture. And he was on the beach there and he texted to me. I, I, I wrote back immediately to him that, you know, he was lying and this was somewhere in Mexico and um, it, it wasn't today. And I mean, I was so taken aback by how big that fish was to be caught from shore. We all know yellowtail fishing, you know, Damon, you and I talked about it, fishing Alejos rocks at night. And I was fishing a um, 40 wide with a rail rod and I could about fish about this size. I could barely get them off the bottom, let alone standing on the sand. I mean, I wow. Even imagine catching that thing with the waves and everything else going on. Just so much stuff against you. Gang. Really amazing. We got another live show tonight with Justin. Justin's going to be live out on the water hoop netting. Gang, we tried a contest last night. We did our very best we can. The, the comments come in and it, it's all about the internet. We're never going to do that again. We're never doing that again because it doesn't work. Because the comments don't come in as quick as you think they do. They don't come in as rapidly on the device that we're using out on the water. It's just there's a lag time. No one's ripping anybody off. How much did we charge you to be a part of that contest last night? Nothing. So, gang, I'm right here. My phone number is available. You don't need to leave comments saying we ripped you off. The contest was for fun, and we're giving away product for free. And I'm going to – you know what's going to happen, Bill? I'll bet you before the end of the day, I'll make another flipping mistake. I'll bet you. <laughs> I bet you. Gang, no one's ripping anybody off. I saw that come up on there. Elliot already pulled it down. We don't really tolerate much negative here, gang, but we're not ripping anybody off. The contest was to try to count how many lobsters were caught last night. I just want to clarify this. How many legal lobsters were caught last night? Okay. We're doing a live show in the middle of the ocean on a yacht. 
And the guy filming it all is not only videoing it with his telephone, he's actually running a 42-foot boat. He's in charge of everything on the water. We're doing the very, very best we can. This has never been done before in the history of the planet Earth. And then for you to come on here and say we ripped you off? What the? I don't get it. Okay, gang? But I promise you, in order to not be called a thief again, we won't do it anymore. So we're not going to give you any more free shit. Sorry, I'm pissed. But we're not going to give any more free stuff because people can't handle it. And then they make comments that I ripped you off. Nobody ripped anybody off. The comments came through when the comments came through. And it's the internet. And I don't know if the internet works phenomenal at your house all day, every day. But there's a thing called lag. And lag happens when you're out on the ocean trying to pick up the internet inside a Long Beach, L.A. Harbor. I don't know if you know that used to be a humongous military base. It was like one of the largest military bases in the world. So there's all kinds of blockages in there. You see the live show stop all the time while Justin is doing it live. Gang, everybody just needs to relax. I'm not the reason why your life's the way it is. I am not that. So calm down and never, ever, ever, ever call me a ripoff because I'm, I'm not going to tolerate it, okay? All right, gang? So we're going to do the live show again tonight, but we're not going to give any more free shit away. Period. Done. We're done. We're not giving away free stuff anymore. Sorry. Sorry. Crybaby, you blew it. And uh, I'm sorry. I don't. I can't take negative, Bill. It just pisses me off to all end. When I, I'm in charge, I don't tolerate negative. When I'm not in charge and it's just out there, I can't control it. But I can control it on my show. <laughs> I can Absolutely. control it. So there you go. There you go, Mike. I hope you got, I hope you accomplished what you wanted to accomplish. Because tonight we were going to give away some really cool stuff, but now we're not. We're not giving away anything anymore. No more free stuff for anybody, Mike. How's that? You win. You win, buddy. You win. You know, right. it's, a typical, it's a typical story, Dave. One person writes a bad check, and now none of us can write a check anymore. And, and, and it is disappointing that one person, you know, has to be responsible for doing that. But that's how I guess we all learn, you know, and, and uh, maybe that person would be willing to give away some free stuff. How about that? Probably not. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> Probably, not. Probably not even not even a paying member of the website or anything. Just. Just a person out there with a grudge that's super jealous because we're having so much fun. But whatever, it's all good. We're going to keep doing what we do and we're going to keep having as much fun as we have. But like anybody that's tried to cause a negative on my show, it doesn't really work out very well for you. I usually end up making you cry and you go home sucking your thumb. And try, to, try, try that at a live show and watch what happens, ladies and gentlemen. It's really fun in front of two or 300 people. They all get to look at you and you get famous real quick. <laughs> or infamous as the case is. Absolutely. I don't know what they try. I think, I think Mike Tyson summed it up really, really well once when he said, you know why people talk so much crap on the internet? Because they've never been punched in the nose. <laughs> 
Good point. <laughs> and that was straight out of Mike Tyson's mouth. So it wasn't me quoting it. It was Mike. But That's I right. I get punched in the nose by Mike Tyson. No. Absolutely not. Bill will be with us again next Wednesday. We'll try to do this. If you guys have questions you want Bill or I to talk about, you got um, things that you want us to talk about on the show, we will take your suggestions. You can text message me at 949-374-0786. And Bill, talk about your calendar. Talk about what you got going on. Let's promote a little bit of Bill Barney because you give us so much of your time and we all appreciate it. Well, thanks, Dave. I appreciate that. But first of all, I just want to say, you know, next week, I think we're going to take our time to to touch on, you know, what's going on this winter down in the surf. And in particular, I wanted to talk about, you know, the three top perch that are in the surf right now. We're going to probably see them prolifically over the next three, three and a half months or so. We're going to talk a little bit about, you know, what they are, of course, what they look like. But what rod and reel combinations we're going to use, how to rig for them, what baits we're going to use, and how to find these different perch at the beach. So that'll be next week. We'll be working on that, plus any questions you guys have or, or suggestions. Um, the calendar, of course, is, is available. We're getting down to the last couple hundred of them. We I think we printed about 3,500 and got maybe 150 of them or 75 left of them now. So they're getting down. So if you want a calendar, now is the time to order it. Um, for the next few days, it'll still be, I think, $11.99, no tax, no shipping, comes right to your door. Um, that'll go up to $15.99 in a week or so, and then uh, with the very last ones that are left with that. And then, of course, if you have any questions about surf fishing, go to my site, fishthesurf.com. I've got all kinds of information about rigging fish, beach cams, all kinds of stuff. There are articles a bunch of different information for that for you to learn there. And then if you're looking for any surf fishing gear, just go to surffishtackle.com. And, and whether you buy stuff or not, that's just a really good place to go look and see what I'm using on the beach. So if you go to your local tackle shop, you know what to pick up there, what the right size sliding sinkers are, right size hooks, what kind of hooks that I use, uh, the fluorocarbon I use, the baits that I use, all of that stuff is right there. Review it, learn from it, go to the beach, you know, apply it, and you'll be happy as a clam. Um, Dave and I talked about all the folks that we've met over the years and stuff. And just one thing I wanted to say is that, and I know Dave's the same way, I have had so many people come to me over the years who have never, some have never even picked up a fishing rod, but let's say they've never gone surf fishing. And they read my book. They've employed the techniques I've, I've suggested. They've learned their own techniques. They've done some trial and error themselves. And they are now better surf anglers than I am. I have seen people go from not catching a single fish to being better than I am. And how do I know that they're better? Because they will come up to me on the beach or at a show and they'll say, hey, hang on. I want to show you a picture on my phone. And I'll say, Oh my gosh, I've never seen a sea bass that big before. I've never seen, like in the calendar, we've got a picture of, of Mar Marvin uh, Lagua. His spot fin croaker was about 15 pounds. The state record is 12 pounds. It's absolutely huge. So who, who do I look up to? People like that. <laughs> and there's a lot of them out there. So have fun out there. Have a great time. And of course, we'll see you guys next week. All right, everybody, thank you very much. Tonight, we'll be going live right around 5.45, 6 o'clock. 
Justin's going to be fishing thresher sharks be before. And if he get hooks one like he did last night, he'll go live with that. But if not, then we're going to be live. 545, 6 o'clock is when we pull our first nets. And it's a phenomenal show, gang. If you haven't watched it yet, it is so much fun. It's four and a half hours of hoop netting inside of L.A. Long Beach Harbor. And last night, like I said in the beginning of the show, we had just over just over 15,000 watched minutes. This thing's going bananas. We At one time, we had 135 people watching it live, which is a big number for us. During the Shark Live video, we had over 200 people watching it live. Bill, it's incredible because you get to see the agony of defeat and the thrill of victory with no editing. So when you guys think, oh, Justin's not doing a very good job, just think about you driving a 42-foot boat, period. Not with any people. Not with hoop nets in the water. Not with the wind blowing. Not with other boats driving around. Just you trying to drive a 42-foot boat around. Then throw on, hey, Captain Dave wants me to go live. So he's doing me a favor, your saltwater guy, by going live. So now he's got to hold his phone, drive the boat, make sure no one dies. Because you kind of in charge of everyone's life. And then he's catching at a level that you can't even comprehend. Last night he had 33 lobsters up to nine and a half pounds. And you get to watch it all live. You get to see the hoop nets come over the rail. You get to see him measure them. Plus he caught a leopard shark in the nets last night. He caught a giant spider crab, lots of rock crabs. Just so much cool stuff that you'll never see it. What I think is really cool, Bill, is you and I, we get done fishing at the end of the day and we talk to people and they go, what was it like? And we try to explain it to them. Well, now you go out on the boat and you don't have to explain it to anybody. Your family can watch you hoop netting. It's a pretty bitching deal. People are really getting off on it. So I think we've got into something brand new, which your saltwater guide seems to always find the new thing going on. So... Make sure you what don't a miss great, What a great way to learn, too. Yeah, exactly. And Justin, you know what's really cool, Bill? He answers everybody's questions when they're asking. He's not only driving the boat, but he's staring at his phone. He's answering their questions while they're asking them live on the water. It's a pretty bitching thing. That's why I got so pissed when someone said we ripped them off. <laughs> you have no idea what the hell's going on. You have no idea. There he is. He's leaving the harbor right now. Billy just put this up. He's on his way out on his first on his trip. He's going out of the harbor right now, watching you and me. Pretty oh, scary. cool! <laughs> How fun! Absolutely, it's incredible, gang. So watch us tonight live on you on Facebook. We we tried it the first night doing it YouTube and Instagram and stuff, and the feed's not there. The other platforms can't handle it. Facebook's the largest social media platform in the world they can handle this live show that's why we go live on facebook on this show out on the water gang we would love to be across all of the social media platforms they can't handle it yet hopefully they will but we will see you all tonight i'll be on there watching kelly girl and i we answer your comments also bill thank you for your time i'm sorry we went over a half hour but we will do a better next week i promise okay thank thanks for having me Dave. appreciate it very welcome Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV. 
the destination for outdoor entertainment.